live and pre-recorded. This is the Red Ticket Blues Podcast. I am Brian Buckley. This is being recorded on April 18th, 2017. How are you? How am I? We are both great, hopefully, right? Right? Another beautiful day in Northern California. The sun is out. The hybrids are scurrying. People are riding in Berkeley. All the status quo you could possibly think of when you think of the Golden State, right? Uh, so, how's everybody doing? Oh, that's good. That's good. So we're we're in the beginning of the baseball season. We're 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 in the begin we're in the beginning of the NBA playoffs, the second NBA season. So I took in a little baseball myself this weekend. Well, we'll get to all that stuff, but obviously we start with me, the most important thing, the most important thing you want to hear about, and that was uh, Brian. How did you spend your weekend? Well, I'll tell you how I spent my weekend. I went to the Oakland Athletics game, like I said last podcast. It was the Oakland Athletics versus the Houston Astros. A very long, a very odd game, but I'll give my quick little uh, synopsis, a little review of the Oakland Coliseum or the O2.com, you know, uh, exit velocity, whatever. Uh, it's, oh, I, I've had enough of that. It is April 18th, and I am so sick of that term already. You know, all the, the announcers are, are just loving that. Oh, you know, that was a 418-foot home run, but did you... Listen to this exit velocity. Wow. L- listen to this. Who cares? Who possibly... Imagine going into a bar... And sitting down next to a guy, ah, well, no, no, so-and-so was not. Griffey was the best. Oh, no, no. Mantle was great. Oh, yeah. Hey, but did you hear about, you know, Matt Holiday's uh, exit velocity? What? Yeah, it was the highest in the last five years when he was the top five. Get the hell out of here. Don't just stop talking. Don't even finish your drink. Get the fuck out of here. Exit velocity. All the announcers all got together in the offseason. They were like, hey, look, look at this new stat. But anyways, um... Where was I going with this? Right, the Coliseum. So I always thought it was much bigger on TV because of all the foul territory. Uh, it, it's kind of small. Like Honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, they even that's where the Raiders play, too. Uh, tickets were cheap as hell. My wife and I sat about six rows behind the Astros dugout. She was excited to see the Astros play with several Puerto Rican players on the team, Carlos Correa and Carlos Beltran. Um, and uh, I think we paid about $46 each, honestly. Uh, not a lot of life there. It very, it was like a glorified minor league park, like the crowd at the, for the most part. Um, it was the first sporting event I've ever driven to in my life. I think, I think I drove to a UConn game once, but this is the first sporting event I've actually driven all the way to. Uh, it was a weird game in the sense where, uh, the Oakland A's pitcher, I forget his name. Who cares? They're the A's. Come on. They're, they will play no bearing whatsoever in postseason or any uh, ramifications of postseason seating or even entrance. But uh, he had no hitter going in the sixth inning when he was pulled. Uh, no hitter with like six walks. Um, he then, on an error, someone else's error, let up two runs. So he ended up leaving the game like 90 pitches, like four or five walks, two hits batsmen, and a we- leading five to two. And eventually... Um, the Astros ended up winning 10 to 6. So, how about that game, huh? Uh, my wife and I, we actually ended up leaving, which is something I never do. We left her at bottom of the eighth. We usually say the last pitch, but I mean, in a game where neither of us have any rooting interest, uh, it was okay. So, I, I, I approved it. I, I processed it. And I said, it's allowable. I, uh, the, the baseball uh, you know, ethics police would probably allow this. I haven't actually uh, asked them all, but. That, that, that's what that happened there. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else? I mean, the prices. I mean, this is just for anyone any, ever wanting to go there. I thought the prices were actually good for, uh, for for food and obviously the tickets, but for food and drinks at a Major League Baseball game. 
mean, that Ballast Point drinks for eight bucks. I mean, if you're, if you're a beer snob like myself, I mean, Ballast Point for eight bucks. It's I mean, eight. I mean, think about that. I mean, think this is 2017. Eight bucks means something. I'm mean, telling someone from 1950. Yeah, it's a good deal. Eight bucks. Uh, they think eight bucks for what? Twenty four pack. Uh, but eight bucks. It wasn't bad. You're still paying money. I mean, you know. It's 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 not Grandma Jammies on on uh, down on the highway where you can get by with a Nicola smile, but eight bucks, Grandma Jammies, uh, eight bucks is eight bucks. I mean that that's I'll take that any day of the week in a major league baseball game. So good good overall experience. I'd like to get to the Giants. I I, I feel like there's sort of a uh, I think I've said this before, but um, little. San Francisco Giants, a la the Yankees, and the A's, a la the Mets. Sort of big brother, little brother thing going on. I don't think that's that far of a stretch. In fact, it's probably common knowledge, and I'm sort of, you know, making it seem as I just, just some sort of fruition that came to me, some epiphany. Uh, but that's that. So uh, there's another thing at the game. Uh, there's a few things in, at that game that will sort of branch off on, like, like an octopus with all these different tentacles everywhere. Uh, terrible, terrible analogy. Uh, I guess we'll start with the, the fact that it was Jackie Robinson Day, and everyone was wearing 42. And, you know, the announcer, I mean, boy, he is just a laugh riot. I mean, maybe they do it every game, and they're just they're told to. But it's like they go through the lineup and just say, man, number 42, second base, Jose Altuve. And batting cleanup, number 42, Carlos Correa, shortstop. And number 42, Carlos Beltran, designated. Shut up. Yes, everyone's 42. We get it. And, of course, I made that joke, I'd say, about 14 times my wife. I think 42 is going to make an impact in this game. Boy, 42 is really struggling. Boy, she, she loved that one. She, uh, she definitely she loved that one. Um, but Jackie Robinson Day is something that uh, is something, it, 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 obviously, it, it, we remember a guy who put up with a lot of shit, man. Uh, the idea of going through three years, in the, I think it was three years, Leo DeRocha told him, three years of Branch Rickey, three years you got to play this. You can't talk back. You can't get in fights. You have to set a precedent so people can slowly accept this, a black player playing in baseball. Uh, so it, and I mean, his numbers, well, let's say this. If he wasn't the first black baseball player, his numbers may fall a little short because he didn't really have that long of a career. But I think with the, the remarkable, the, the achievement and everything, some people, can, you know, some people can argue, big deal, what was he, he black, he showed up. No, 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 there's a little bit more than that, honestly, in that volatile time. So I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. But with Jackie Robinson Day is what we hear every year, and that is the startling low number of black players in baseball. I think it is a little under 8% or about that, and the population of black Americans in the United States, I believe, is 18%. I was just looking, no, okay, let's see. This was in 2016 in June. Just 8% of MLB players are African-American, well, well below the national population of roughly 14%. So that's according to Over the Monster, uh, which uh, I'm not really familiar with. It just happens to be the uh, first link in a Google search. Uh, but anyways, uh, a longtime advocate of more black uh players in baseball is that Yankees pitcher C.C. Sabathia. My question is, and this can go from different, different directions according to who you are. Uh, and the, the question is, why? Why do we need more black Americans in baseball? From C.C. Sabathia's standpoint, I can understand. You want people that look like you. You want to have some sort of kinship. You want to push it to the population that this is something that's accepted and you will enjoy and you can make a pretty damn good life for yourself. From the baseball executives, oh, I understand. That is a new audience. That is a new demographic. We, the, why do you think we play the WBC? You know, half of that is for the Far East. 
Now, half of that's for the Caribbean, the South America, and the other half is for the Far East. They want more Asian players in the game. So I can understand if they want more black Americans playing baseball. That's more eyes, more money, more green, more backslapping and, you know, money lighting parties, whatever they do. Eyes wide shut stuff. Who knows? But from the, the typical fan, and maybe it's just a white guy talking, but for me, sure, I'd like to see more black players in the game. But it doesn't really bother me. Like, I, I'm going to be personal. It doesn't bother me. I mean, take my team, of course, because they're so diverse and they're so progressive. And New York Yankees. There's white guys. There's black guys. There's Hispanic guys. There's Asian guys. Do you think I give a shit what any of their colors are? Or ethnicities? Or creeds? Or whatever? I don't care. I just don't. It doesn't matter to me. But I'm just, I'm speaking for me. And like I said, I just, I just spoke of everyone else. And I can understand why black Americans don't want to play baseball. It's so funny, too. And you hear a lot of black baseball players. You ask them about, uh, you know, growing up and the sports they played. And you hear a lot of them say, and I, I swear, I don't know the percentage on this, but I hear this all the time in interviews. They say baseball was not my first sport. I like basketball. I like football. I like whatever. I didn't, I, I was good at baseball. I didn't really like it, though. And then I found out, you know, I was a lot better at it than I was at the other sports. But if you had the choice, if I'm an all-star athlete, I mean, whether you're black, white, whatever, I'm not choosing baseball. You know how long it takes to get to baseball? You know, you know you have to be a prodigy to go through all those leagues. You know, you those, those sleeping on buses in the middle of America. You know, staying in Motel 6s. Nah. If I'm just as good as another sport, I'm not playing baseball. I'm not. I'm getting my, my, my money immediately. And yeah, baseball, once you get there, you know, they have guaranteed contracts, of course. I'm playing basketball every single time and twice on Saturday. Sports cliche. If, I'm telling you, that's the sport. Football, you lose your mind. You, you, you're injured quickly. It's a short career. Basketball, get in. Guaranteed contract. Sit on the bench. Even if you suck or get injured, boom. Look at Derek Williams sitting there on the Cavs. The guy who's been a journeyman his whole career. He's just sitting there making that money, watching, going through the playoffs. That's just me, though. I mean, I, I think I'm steering clear of uh, Jimmy the Greek talk here. But, I mean, that's, I think you have to look at it from who you are. Why? Anyways, um, and then there was another thing at the game the other day, uh, and I'm usually, like I say, I usually don't leave early. I'm usually there. I'm usually there early, so, so we were a little, a little late actually. As we got into the stadium, the national anthem was playing, and you know, if I'm at my seat, I'm standing up, taking my hat off, you know, looking for everyone else doesn't take their hat off, you know, me and mugging them, uh, you know, the normal, you know, American stuff. Uh, but I got to the, cause first of all, we get there and I, I want to be in my, I like to see my seat, but also when I get to my seat, I like, I'd like a beer in my hand. So I get there and I see the first beer vendor and I say, all right, there we go. I walk over and just as I'm taking my card out. Yeah. Cause I, I, of course like, yeah. And the woman just looks at me and I'm just like, course light. She stares at me and she says, hold on. And I'm thinking, hold on, what the fuck? And then I hear it over the loudspeaker in the national anthem display. So, you know, for me, for me, I I, uh, I thought, wow, okay, I didn't I didn't know all sales and everything stopped, but apparently it does. Now, Craig Calcaterra, NBC Sports uh, contrarian, uh, 
another morality police. And speaking of uh, morality, like I had Alex Reamer of WEEI on last eh, a few weeks ago. I talked about the Twitter ethics police of sorts, Mr. Richard Dice. Uh, so. Mr. Richard Dice, Sports Illustrated, uh, I don't know his official title from it. It's editor in chief. Uh, he will be a guest on the podcast next week. We will have him. I'm going to do that this week. Uh, so I may be playing that. You may get that podcast on Monday or Tuesday. So it'll be interesting. I've never had someone on the podcast where I've uh, publicly ripped and they've heard it before. So uh, let's see how that goes. <laughs> uh, but Mr. Calcaterra, let, let me find the exact tweet. Calcaterra says, Will you keep politics out of sports, please? We like sports to be politics-free. And it has a picture of, like, you know, 17 different flags. Uh, it looks like, what is that, the? I'm trying to think of where that is. SunTrust. I think that's the new Braves place, SunTrust Park. Uh, we, and I say, you're reaching just a tad here. My brother-in-law, uh, who is a friend of the podcast, Joe uh, Merge Sort on Twitter, if you want to follow him, uh, he... He says, well, you know, I, I feel kind of the same. Military and patriotic displays in every single game really seem out of place to me. And we went back and forth, back and forth. And I, you know what? I, I think the military displays, and that's been obviously uncovered by the NFL, especially with the Jets games, where the, the Jets are uh, having the military pay them for exposure. Uh, I could do without the military. I have no issue with flags, though. Now, if, if you want to overdo it with a flag here and a flag there and a flag there, but whatever, I, I just don't look at it. And maybe I'm the unpatriotic one in this sense. I don't look at a flag at a baseball game any different than I do the one in front of McDonald's or Starbucks or Stop and Shop or grammar school. Like, they're just, they're flags. I mean, I uh, can they be overdone at a baseball game? No. Do, am I freaked out at it? Absolutely not. There, there are sporting events in every country where it's done. Of course, they're done differently. Uh, that, that, that's, I just want to touch on that because Calcaterra, man, he, he, if you know anything about Craig Calcaterra, it's NBC Sports, he's a lead baseball editor, writer. He, man, he, he, his bread and butter is usually stuff with religion and not mocking people who believe in religion, but the, the, he, he's hard to explain, actually. I'm doing a terrible job of explaining what exactly Craig Calcaterra is, but his Twitter game is strong in that way. He, he pisses off a lot of people. I try to stay away from him uh, just because, you know, I'm trying to get older, wiser, and I can argue with people on Twitter. Uh, you know, like if someone sends a stupid tweet like uh, Aaron Hernandez and Eli Manning are somewhat comparable. You know, I, I try not to respond to those. But you know who did it? You know, I, I said that in the last podcast, all these people going crazy. And I think you got like 300 retweets of people fucking just imbeciles. Mike Golick of the acclaimed Mike and Mike. Huh. What, what a rousing show on ESPN that I shit on all the time. Actually responded to that tweet. My tweet that said, how many fans did Aaron Hernandez hurt? Zero. How many fans did Eli Manning hurt? Countless. Mike Golick. I mean, obviously the CTE is kicking in for him. Wow, you win for dumbest lines ever tweeted. Now step away from the phone and never tweet again. I mean, I, I feel bad for him. Who feeds him in the morning? Who wakes him up and reminds him to go to work? Holy Christ. You'd think maybe he'd have some sort of chaperone on Twitter for tweets like that. Someone take over. Maybe his, his untalented son could take over for that. Who got Anyways, moving on. Little, little, little deep, little uh, criticizing, uh, you know all that. So, hey, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at BrianBuck13 and at RedTicketBlues. And if you're new to the show and you're still listening after the first 15 minutes, well, you can listen to a lot of other shows on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, YouTube, and Google Play. That's where you'll find the whole, the whole kit and caboodle, the whole archive of uh, the Red Ticket Blues podcast. So, like I said, Richard Dice Sports Illustrated next week. Uh, on the podcast, and we'll bring back an old friend in the next few weeks, too, on the podcast as a guest. Uh, either love him or hate him. We'll put it that way. Um, 
Let's see. What was some other things I want to talk about? There's a band of squirrels outside my house. I don't know. Squirrels are evil. Watch out for them. Uh, what was the next thing? You know, Carmelo Anthony uh, briefly got into it. Uh, the Phil Jackson press conference was going on last week. Um, when I was doing the podcast, so I didn't get all the quotes there. Listen, you know, Carmelo Anthony has been a target of the target of this podcast for so so long. Uh, and I mean, I think I'd be be being irresponsible if I didn't say Phil Jackson, at least for the second half of Melo's tenure, is just as much to blame uh, in the whole thing. He, he's Christoph Porzingis actually opted out of his exit interview with Phil out of frustration, supposedly. Um, Phil Jackson is the old person who, he, he has a little Mike Francesa in him, where his, he's old, he's a legend, he's on the end of the line, and you know what? He is not changing regardless of what everyone else does. He is not open to anything. And his way, it's his, like my old high school coach who was a piece of shit to the absolute third, fourth, fifth power, always said, it's my way or the highway. That's the way Phil Jackson operates. So I, I wanted to be, be fair there. I wanted to be fair. but uh, And I didn't want to get into this either. Because uh, I, I don't want to, you know, listen, you kick a man when he's down. But, you know, Carmelo Anthony and his wife, Lala, uh, are separating after seven years of marriage. And listen, for, for no offense to Lala, she seems like a very nice person. And I can't honestly say anything negative about her except for what I'm about to say right now. Uh, I mean, it's her celebrity is a bit much. I mean, she's an MTV VJ and she's been in some terrible shows, but, uh, I mean, seven years, that, that's, that's a good run nowadays, honestly. I, I hate to say that, but I didn't really want to get into it on Twitter or anything like that. Cause you know, again, that, that's personal. I don't want to shit on people, but, uh, then you have page six of, which is the celebrity, uh, celebritog. I was going to say, but I don't think that's the right word I'm trying to say. Celebrity. That's definitely not it. Um, the celebrity just trash fucking whatever of the uh, New York Post, which is, listen, it's two steps above the National Enquirer, uh, says that Mello has been going around on, I mean, the whole thing, I guess they're separating because um, apparently he knocked up a stripper, is, is what, what is being uh, reported, and I guess the, the phrase that he's used on the road for all these years is, uh, Lala's married, I'm not, which, at first glance, it's like, Jesus, you know, did he really say that? And then I think about some of the douchey things Carmelo Anthony has said throughout the years, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I could see that. I, I could definitely see him, that, that being uttered out of his mouth. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Who knows? Again, it's page six. Let, let's be honest. Let's be fair. Let's be fair, Mikey! Let's be fair. That's just page six. Uh, what else did I want to get into? Uh, da, 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 da. The, the New England Patriots are going to, by, by the time you're listening to this, it may have already happened. It may be already be news. Um, the New England Patriots are going to the White House. And this story is going back and forth, back and forth. For them winning the, Super, winning the Super Bowl, they get to meet the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. And uh, obviously, this is, this is the first of it. This is the first of Donald Trump in sports. We, have, we didn't want to throw out the first pitch at the Nationals game. And listen, it's all inconsequential bullshit. All presidential, uh, you know gathering and not gatherings but uh you know just being involved in professional sports or collegiate sports or whatever the case may be it's inconsequential it's photo ops it's nice pr it's really unimportant however it's a tradition as well like showing your taxes it's a tradition it's not it's not it's not, it's not against the law but it's a tradition that you know you don't do it you can kind of rub some people the wrong way excuse me Ugh. you have one beer in the afternoon and then you're screwed for the whole day my god and the you know, three large pieces of pizza 
But uh, they are going. And first it was like, no one's going. Then it's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft are going. Now it sounds like, you know, you got a 53-man roster and uh, you know, a bunch of coaches. Sounds like 30 or 40 guys are going. Uh, two people that have been outspoken, Devin McCourty and Chris Long, who, uh, I don't know, I heard someone on the WEI morning show today, what exactly the, the, the was it some sort of documentary or, or whatever, but, you know, they, they talked about uh, why they don't want to go. And again, everyone has the right to not go. It's so unimportant. Your job is to play football. This is not football. This is, again, just like a president going to sporting events, this is a, this is a photo op. That's it, all it is. I will say this for me personally. I don't care. I did not vote for Donald Trump. I did not want him to win. I think he is a buffoon. A buffoon? Well, that's a new word. I think he's a buffoon. I think at times he is dangerous. I think he does not invoke trust with me. However, if Donald Trump invited me to the White House, I'm going. Because uh, I don't know how many times I'm going to the White House. That's just that's just me, honestly. That's just the way I look at it. Uh, I do wonder, and I have that right to wonder. I don't give a shit what you say or what your friend is saying next to you or anybody is saying or who you tell. I do suspect, honestly, I wonder if these guys that are not going are actually have some personal... What is with me mispronouncing words? What does personal mean? Uh, personal... Uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to be too wordy here, and then I'm leaving, uh, you know, big gaps of silence. Personal problems, which doesn't sound as good. But anyways, move the... F we get it, Brian. Uh, if they have any, actually, you know, really don't believe in what Donald Trump's saying, or they're that offended by what he does, or if the fact that they're worried about their own PR, their own, like, wow, you went to the see Donald Trump? Wow. You know, we all hate him, you know, with 500 people behind him. You went and did that? Wow. I wonder if it's grandstanding, honestly, or if it's their own personal convictions. Uh, maybe not convictions. Jeez, I need a thesaurus and a dictionary. What is a thesaurus? Ooh. Is this your first time listening? You are probably pressing stop at this point. Um, but I do wonder. I do wonder if that's the truth. But uh, staying in Boston, uh, you had Isaiah Thomas. And I'm surprised, you know, he played, so it wasn't that big of a story. And obviously, a terrible, terrible story. Isaiah Thomas's sister, 22 years old, dying in a one-car accident, what, uh, less than 24 hours before the game one of the division between the, 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 the first round of the NBA playoffs. And, which is, it's, it's just, I mean, what can I say? I mean, I can only add so many adjectives and comments. I mean, we all know it's a tragic situation. He played in the game, and he played well. He played very well. Now, take away the emotion from a 22-year-old dying, if you can which is terrible as it is, uh, it's weird how athletes do this. You know, athletes will not play to see their kid born. And that's become the norm now. Whether you like it or not, it's become the norm. But when a family member dies, you play. I guess the difference is, well, I'm going to go to the funeral. I'm going to go to the wake. That's the way I'm remembering them. That's the way that I'm paying my respects. Just like going to see the baby born. I'm not going to sit there and look at my wife until the water breaks. But... It's just different for me. It just seems strange. And, you know, I mean, either way, you can't lose. Unless you're a real douchebag in the media and you want to write that hot take story. Because, listen, let's say he does play. And he did. And he played amazing. Which, listen, you can, you can write that column up, bing, bang, boom. And at the same time, if he plays and he sucks, well, you can say, listen, heavy heart, you know. How, how can you be, expect him to play in that situation? 
How can you expect him to do that? And then if he doesn't play, you can say, well, who are you? What, what kind of animal are you? You expect him to play? His sister just died. Jesus. What's wrong with you? It is amazing how athletes do that, though. It's crazy. You know, 22-year-old. Oh, man. That's tough. It's very, very tough. But uh, from a sports perspective, uh, it's tough, too. When you're the number one seed, and you lose the first game against the Bulls. Uh, that's, that, that is very tough. And uh, Jimmy Butler looked out of his mind. Dwayne Wade getting stuck by the rim. Oh, baby, that was great. Old man can't duck no more. Old Gray Mary, what she used to be. <laughs> He'll probably have like 40 tonight. Um, anything else from the NBA playoffs? Really, we're so early into it. Uh, I saw the Jazz beat the Clippers. The Clippers are never going to be anything ever. I, I think we can all mutually agree on that. They are nothing. They are, they are a team of stars that will never win anything. I mean, Joe Johnson sent game-winning shots in. Raise your hand if you knew Joe Johnson was still in the league. I mean, Christ Almighty. And then, of course, the guy hits one shot, and then you hear people saying, uh, listen, it's not crazy. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. It's not crazy. If you have a pulse, you go to the NBA. Did you play on a bunch of teams for 10 years, for 15 years? Eh, you got a good chance. Did you start in the NBA for 15 years? You'll be in the Hall of Fame. I, 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 I think I can go with that. If you started for 15 years, you'll be in the Hall of Fame. They let anyone in. Anyone. Bill Wennington next year. Unbelievable. You know what's fun? Before we move on to our last topic here, and I'm sure you're already, you're already looking at that end. Um, just go look up on YouTube, like, old fights. Or just look up, like, old games. Or old... Fuck, I forgot the name of... There's some guy who had all these, like, little skirmishes and fights on YouTube. Of, like, you know, not the big ones. But, like, just the way that stuff was called. It's funny. It's it, The stuff that now is... Now is nothing. Who knows? Who are these people approaching my freaking house? What is going on here? Oh boy! All right, hold on a second. Okay, you would think with the the, the amount of neighbor or uh, you know whatever distractions I have outside my house that I live in this you know majorly populated area. It is a one way street off a minor residential road. I don't know. I just saw kids or young adults with iPads in their hands walking up to the door, banging on the door, and I can tell you right now, I'm not interested. Not interested. Interested whatsoever. Already lost my train of thought. What was it? Yeah, 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 fights in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, old man shit. Got it, yeah. Different. Uh, the last thing I want to touch on baseball, and that's the New York Yankees, who at the time of the reporting of this podcast have an eight-game winning streak. Aaron Judge, who, you know, I told you, people are in love with him. Uh, they're just in love with his size, you know, because he's really not that good. He's got four home runs already. He's about like 300-something, maybe even 400-something. Yes, it's April 18th, I understand. But, I mean, that is a team without Gary Sanchez, who is hurt. Without Didi DeGregorius, who is... Well, no shit, Brian. They just, what, they choose not to play the last three weeks? Yes, I get they're hurt. Um, but, uh, wow. New York Yankees are 9-4. of four, And uh, what if for, for what it's worth, you know, if a bunch of teams lose tonight and they win, could be the best team in baseball tonight on April 18th. Um, but you have to be happy with that. You have to be happy with it. But um, what I, I guess what I want to tell people is just... I hate telling people this because uh, people we're also reactionary now. Um, not that we weren't 50 years ago, but with everyone trying to say something as quick as they can on Twitter or tell everyone, um, people want to put the New York Yankees. This is a team I told you from the beginning. They're contenders. They're just relax, okay? I hate telling you, but relax. You know, I don't know how many eight-game winning streaks there's going to be during the season. They're playing shitty teams right now. Let's be honest. The Rays, the Cardinals who have been baseball royalty, looked like garbage. Absolute garbage. Dumpster diving trash. I mean, they won't even want to cook it up and eat it. It, it, was, it. it was bad. 
It was really, really bad. Were they bad, Brian? Yeah, they were bad. And now they're playing the White Sox, who are 6-6, six and six, but they're, they're not a good team either. So all I'm saying is enjoy this because you know what? Things can change really quickly. I don't think Chase Headley is going to be having a, a, this, 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 this great season. I don't think Jacoby Ellsbury is going to continue his hot start. And who knows how long this Michael Pineda fucking Cy Young uh, journey uh, is going to last as well. That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just trying to be realistic. Not pessimistic, realistic. Give me a few more months and maybe optimistic. Stick, stick, stick. All right. That's it. So uh, I don't know if we're going to have another podcast this week. Depends how, uh, how much happens. <laughs> how much uh, really goes on. Uh, but like I said, Monday or Tuesday... Um, we'll have Richard Deich of uh, Sports Illustrated, and that should be a very interesting guy. Listen, the guy has uh, got a lot of opinions. Uh, I may not agree with all of them, and uh, hopefully we can uh, you know, talk about all of them and see how it goes. But that will be next week. You remember, I'm reminding you, you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Mostly the big ones, iTunes. You, you want to leave a review, that's how you can do me a favor and leave one on iTunes. You can follow me on uh Twitter at BrianBuck13 at RedSacredBlues. And with all that being said, I want you to enjoy the rest of your day, whatever time it may be, wherever you are, enjoy it. With all that being said, I'm out of here.